unless you believed in vain. For I declare to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that we, and that he was seen by Cephas then, after that he was seen by, by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen by me also as by one born out of due time. Lord, thank you for your word this morning, Lord. Thank you for your love, for your grace, for your kindness, and for just a reminder this morning, Lord God, that you love us anyway. That despite ourselves, Lord God, you love us. And so we thank you for that reality, Lord God. And we humble our hearts before you this morning, and we pray that you would use this time to speak to our lives, Lord God. May you be glorified in this time today. May we not just hear you, but may we respond to you in the great, great name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. So if you do not have an outline, would you just raise your hand? I want to make sure that everyone has an outline. I want to make sure you get one, and that way you can follow along with the introduction of the message. And you are also able to take some notes, which is nice. Um, there's some questions in there for you to answer. And then, as always, we are a disciple-making church because Jesus calls us to make disciples. And so the way that you make a disciple is you help someone grow in their faith or in their understanding of who Jesus is. And so you can utilize what you are learning here on Sunday mornings to help someone grow in their faith. And if you are not helping someone grow in their faith, I challenge you to do so. If you need a pen, you can holler at one of the, uh, uh, one of the ushers and they'll get you one as well. And so in your outline here, today is, and I kind of mentioned this earlier, today is to Christians the most important moment in history. It is the celebration of Jesus rising from the dead after having been crucified for the sins of mankind. And so what we celebrate today is twofold because there would be no resurrection if there was no death. And so Jesus died in our place according to the scriptures that we're reading here. He died in our place in order to give us an opportunity to have new life because every one of us, we are all sinners as we, said, as, as we saw in this song. He loves us anyway. We're all separated from God. And what the apostle Paul says here in verse 3, if you look at your Bible, in verse 3, it says, for I delivered to you first of all, say, First of, all. first of all, first of all, the reason why that is there is because in the Greek, what he is saying is of what is of most importance. What is the most important thing? I deliver to you that the most important thing. And it is this. It is that also that he also received that Christ died for our sins. He shed his blood for our sins. He was crucified for our sins. And, and what is sin? Sin is breaking God's laws. And so every one of us in this place is a breaker of God's laws. And you know what? No matter what it is, and you're going to hear a lot about my sin in a moment because I'm going to talk about that. But what I want you to realize is that no matter what, you may think your sins are little, you are a breaker of God's law. You may think your sins are big, you are a breaker of God's law. That's what it means to be a sinner. It is someone who breaks God's laws. But here's what I want you to realize is that there are two types of people that are in this room today. One is the person who has come to Jesus already and said, Lord, I thank you because of the sacrifice of your son. I receive your forgiveness and I want to live for you and for your glory and I don't any longer want to break your law. That's one person. And then there is another person in this room and you are the person that you are living your life for yourself 
yourself. You, you're living not to please God, but to do what you think is right and what you feel. And you are a person who is on the opposite side because this is the reality. The reality is that if you have not put your faith in Jesus, then you will be separated from him for all of eternity and you will suffer in hell. And that is a scary reality. The beauty of this is, and this is why Paul says this is of first importance, because there is a solution to that reality, and it is what Jesus did on the cross. But let me tell you something. It isn't just that Jesus died that gives us hope. It is not just that. Because as we were singing, and we were as we were singing the songs in the beginning, if you listen to the, some of the songs that we were singing, the first, you know, one, one of the songs it was taught, actually the last song we sang together, it was talking about him dying. And if all we were doing was singing about someone who died, that would be depressing. There'd be nothing to really sing about. I mean, after a little while, we'd get sick of singing about this person who died for us. You know why we never get sick of singing about this person who died for us? Because he rose again for us. Because he is living today. That is the reason why you and I can have hope, because he rose again. And now let me say this, because what, you, what I want you to see, and you look at the second part of that paragraph there. In verses 5 through 8, you're going to see that there is a listing of people who Jesus revealed himself to after the resurrection. And so what I want you to know is that in this listing here, this is very, very important for you to get this, especially if you're a Christian. If you're not a Christian, you need to see this as well. When the Apostle Paul wrote this, he didn't say, I want you to go and just believe what I I'm saying, he said, listen, there's like 500 people that Jesus showed himself to, of which many of them are still alive. Go talk to them. You didn't hear that. Of which many of them are alive. Go talk to them. You don't believe Jesus is alive? You don't believe that Jesus rose? Go talk to those who saw him rise, those who spoke to him and encountered him. But you know, it's funny because the, uh, obviously this being Passion Week, you know, one of my pastor friends, he posted something because for some people, the Bible is not enough information or it's not enough of a witness for them to believe. But there's a professor from Cambridge University. I don't know whether he is a Christian or not. Nonetheless, he is a historian because you have a whole bunch of people that tried to disprove the existence of Jesus. And what this Cambridge University person and said is outside of the Bible, meaning external evidence outside of the Bible proves historically that Jesus existed. People who, don't, who, who, were, who were not Christians, who were Jewish historians, talked about this Savior, or not the Savior, but talked about this guy that was the same person in the Scriptures. And so what that tells us is, for sure, Jesus existed. Now listen, I'm here to tell you today, he rose for sure. The Cambridge guy, he didn't have any history, you know, talking about the resurrection or anything like that. But what he did talk about was the proof of the existence of Jesus. And what, I, and, and what I realized is that Jesus lived, he died, and he rose again. And this is what Paul says is of the most importance. Listen, all the other arguments, all the other debates, every other thing that we're worried about in this life doesn't matter. What matters is this gospel and what Jesus did for us. Amen. Two claps, amen, that's good. <laughs> Y'all don't know what to do. You're like, should I clap? Should I not? Well, it's, it's up to you. Do what you want to do. So, you know, be, be comfortable. If you want to clap, clap. No, don't clap. It don't matter. Listen, second paragraph. The evidence that Jesus rose and is alive is not only in the eyewitnesses of the time in which the apostle Paul wrote it, but in the testimony of those who Jesus is still calling, who are encountering him in different ways and serving him with their lives. 
See, here's the thing I want you to realize is over 2,000 years ago is when this Jesus walked on this earth and rose again. And I want you to know that there are 11, at least 11 or 12 apostles who gave their lives. One of them, you know, obviously was the one that betrayed him. And then you have the other ones, including the apostle Paul, all except for John were killed for this name. Now, this is another important thing because nobody is going to die for a lie. Are you here? And not just that, but people are still being changed. People are still being transformed. And what I want you to realize is that your life, if you are a believer in Jesus, can be a witness to the world of the reality of the resurrection, which is what I want to talk to you about today. Last paragraph there. The reality of the resurrection is that Jesus is still drawing men to himself as he is lifted up through us. The Bible tells us, Jesus speaking in the Gospels, he said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. If I be lifted up, he was speaking of his crucifixion, obviously. But here's what I want you to realize, is that when we live for the glory and honor of Jesus, we are lifting him up. And what that causes is men to be pointed towards him. And so today, I'm going to share with you my resurrection reality story. I haven't done this in a long time. I mean, actually, I did this like 30 minutes ago, but <laughs> prior to today, I haven't done this in a long time where I've actually shared my story. And, and, and there's a couple things I want to say before I share this story. And the first one is, is that I am going to be explicit in my story, but I will not be graphic. And I say that as a, pre, as a precursor because there are some young, young kids in the room, and I'm not going to hold back because they're in here. You chose as parents to have them here, and I respect that. But what I want you to know, that I have to be clear on what God has done in saving my life. And so in that same sentence, I want you to know that I am not in any way, shape, or form boasting about my past. I'm not proud of these things that happened. I'm proud of one thing. Jesus saved me from all of it. And, that, and that's the reality. I'm not, I'm not proud of, of some of the things that I'm going to say here. There's some things that, that really are heartbreaking for me that I have to share them. But you know what? It's just a reality of what God has done in my life. And so what I want to do is I want to make sure that I, I communicate that. The second thing that I want to say is this, is that in, in, you know, when, whenever you tell a story about yourself, you know, we are all, we are, we're all broken people, are we not? We live in a broken world. And so no matter how Christian your family is, no matter how saved you may be and sanctified you may look today, we all have skeletons in the closet. We all have some baggage that we don't want anyone to know about. And if, you know, if we were to find out about it, you'd be really embarrassed. But it would make some people look bad around you. And what I want you to know is that as I share this story, it's not to make anyone look bad. You know, it's not to say, well, that person was bad. These people are terrible. Because it's not like that. We're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. And so I'm not trying to, you know, throw shade on my family or anything like that. I love my family to death no matter where they are with Jesus or not. Are you here? And so here's the thing. All right, got two more claps. Amen. Yeah. Just clap, please. Everybody clap, please. Can we all just clap? Let's just all clap together. You know, just, just when, he, when you hear someone clap, just clap. Just join. I mean, especially if you agree with, like, what's being said, just join the clap. Just, just do it. Someone's trying to start a movement, in, you know, in the room. You know, it's kind of like the wave. And, like, you leave them hanging. They're like, come. And then, you know, like someone's, you know, just clap. Just clap. Just let, let's clap together. I mean, let's, let's just do that. So, so I was born in, in South Florida. I was born in Miami. Um, and so raised in Fort Lauderdale pretty much. My mother, uh, she got married. She's sitting here in the second row here today for the second time to hear the story the second time. <sighs> she corrected me in the story. I was like, Mom, I'm going to tell the story the way I recall it. And that's what's going to happen. So I'm going to make the same mistakes in the second service. I just want you to know. But nonetheless, um, 
You know, I, I grew up in Fort Lauderdale primarily. You know, we moved. My sister was born in California, uh, and so she's her and I are 10 months apart, so I actually lived in California a little bit. We lived in Canyon Lake, Texas. We lived in um, New Orleans a little bit. Lived in Puerto Rico, a few different places. But for the majority of my life, I grew up in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And so down south, you know, my mother, she got married to a, a Jewish guy when I was about two or three years old, and I thought he was my biological father. They never told me that he was not my dad to the degree that I used to hang out with him and go to work with him, and I don't have hair now. I used to and when I did I would you know say to him man I got hair just like you and he would say yes and I'm like great I thought it was my dad so I think about it oh like why was this guy lying to me but you know he was stuck in a, in, in a tough place so he didn't want to you know break my heart or whatever nonetheless him and my mom separated when they separated I found out in a, in a rather you know tragic way that he was not my father and so that was always a void within my heart my family was not was not Christian my, we didn't, I didn't come from a Christian home there was one person who was a Christian it was my grandmother she was the one that was walking with the Lord and so in my home, there was a lot of partying, you know, a lot of drinking, a lot of smoking weed, a lot of other drugs and things like that that were happening. So those things were normative to me as I grew up. It wasn't like weird, you know, that was just what everybody did. And so growing up like that, you know, hanging out with the family. And so my mother, you know, she, she got together with this guy. Um, and so she was with him for a long time. And he was, you know, kind of like a stepdad. I'll explain to you why I didn't really call him a stepdad later on. But nonetheless, grew up going to church very, you know, sporadically off and on whenever my grandmother would take me to church. And at one point, we started going to church, and I think it was probably a time, um, you know, we, we lived with them or something like that. And so I went to church more often. I started going to the Royal Rangers. For those of you who don't know what the Royal Rangers are, um, it's kind of like the Christian version of the Boy Scouts, like 100% Christian. Like, there's no question, like, you're in the church, you're learning about Jesus, you're learning about what, you know, God and how a young man should be. And so I went to there, I went, went to a powwow, which is a camping trip, and on that camping trip, there was this guy that was a Vietnam vet, I believe. He got almost blown up over there and he was sharing his testimony and then he gave his life to he, he um, called for an, for an altar call and when he did that I gave my life to Christ that night and I was a young kid came home told my family about that a little bit later I, I didn't want to go to church anymore because our church services were very long Today, I don't even know what happens because people can't make it to church for more than an hour and a half they're like dying but anyway nonetheless that's just another thing our services are very long. The problem wasn't the length of the service because, you know, for kids, church is typically fun because, you know, you have games, you have snacks, you know, you guys get communion, um, you know, but anyway, um, you know, but they get snacks and, you know, it's, it's a cool, cool scenario. So, you know, none the, that, that's our snack. I'm just joking. But nonetheless, you know, I didn't want to go to church because I love football. How many of y'all love football? Right? And there's a problem with long services. They don't connect with football because you miss football because you're in church. And so I started to rebel. I'm like, yo, I don't want to go to church anymore, man. I want to watch football. So I stopped going to church and stuff like that. And, you know, because my family's not Christian, they were okay with that. My grandmother wasn't really forcing us to go to church. So moving forward, as, as I continue to grow up, you know, stop going to church I was introduced to sex in a really ugly way. And so I was molested by the guy that would be my stepfather, uh, step-uncle, and also by a cousin. It's very terrible. And then one day, I was also looking in my, my grandmother and my grandfather were separated. And so I was living with my grandfather a little bit around that time. And I was going into a cabinet in the bathroom. And when I went to go into that cabinet, there was like a stack of magazines. I always saw them there, but I never, ever looked at them. And I happened to knock the cabinet, I mean, the, the stack of magazines over, and I noticed there was a naked lady on one of them and so suddenly my bathroom stops begin to take a lot a lot more time so that's that, that's as explicit as I'm gonna get 
So that's what I started doing. And so when I, as, as, I, as I began to grow, you know, as, as a man, you know, I had to prove my manhood because, you know, I had been molested. And so I had to prove I was a man over those things. And so I started to want to be with as many girls as, as I could be and things of that nature, very terrible. And so I got to ninth grade. And when I got to ninth grade, I met this girl. And let me just pause real quick because in the middle of this, around sixth grade, I met my father for the first time, my biological dad. He was on death row and he wrote me a letter as a way that I remember it. And they called me to the office. My sister and I went to, went to the same middle school at that time and went to the office and they told me about my dad who I had never known. I never met this, this guy. I was longing for him. remember one time on a Father's Day when I was going to church, leaving church and my grandmother took me and I was like, Mom, why, Grandma, why can't I have a dad? And I was like crying because all these other kids were going home with a dad and I didn't have that because I was longing for that love, that, that, that acceptance. And I want to pause and say, Dads, you are important. Don't ever devour. I don't care what anybody tells you. You matter. You matter. Your presence matters. Your love matters. Your encouragement matters. Be present with your kids. And so I was longing for that, you know, and I, and, and I wanted that in my life. And so I met my dad. Uh, my dad came out of prison. He beat the, the charges on death row, came out of prison. Him and my mom reconciled, and they got back together. I was all happy about that because, you know, I wanted him in my life, and now they were together. So all good, you know. And again, remember, my, my family's crazy. They're not saved crazy, right? So a lot of drugs, a lot of, a lot of drama, stuff like that is going on. And so as, you know, you probably... You, you, you progress forward, I'm going into high school. And when I'm going into high school, my father, he, you know, he goes back to prison. He violates his parole. He ends up back in prison. And so I go to high school, ninth grade. I, you know, smoke out with, with smoke some weed with some of my friends, um, you know, skip school. And then I met this girl. So I meet this girl and her and I, we hit it off. We start dating. And suddenly I start coming to school on the bus. She comes to school on the bus. We meet at school before school starts. We leave school. We skip school all day long. And then we come back, ride the bus home. And so that was every day, every day, every day for like a semester in high school. And so I was proving my manhood and she was seeking love and we ended up getting pregnant. And so she comes to school one day and she tells me, she's like, hi, daddy. And I'm like, hi, daddy. It's a weird greeting. And so she tells me that, and I was like, okay. And she tells me she's pregnant, and I was like, all right, well, you know, my mom taught me right. I got to take care of my responsibility. So I dropped out of ninth grade, and I went and got a job at Burger King. I was going to support my family on Burger King. <laughs> and I didn't have a plan of moving up. I was just going to work at Burger King. So it wasn't like I had a, you know, a plan to get in management or own stores or anything like that. And so that's what I was going to do. And then her mom decided that the best thing for her was for her to have an abortion, and so she did that. She had an abortion. I hated her for that. Didn't know why. Just something inside of me knew that that was wrong. She has an abortion, and I decide, well, I mean, I'm not going to continue doing what I was doing. So I figured, what's the next best step for me? So a few weeks ago, a few weeks earlier than this, I was hanging out with some of my buddies. We used to hang out every night. They were part of a local gang that was there. And so I watched one of my buddies get initiated into the gang, and I was like, you know what? The next best thing, I'm going to get initiated into that gang. I'm hanging out with them all the time. We're going to fight all that stuff. Yo, let's do this. So one night, get three of my buddies. They jump on me for a little while. They accept me into this gang. All good. So now I'm a gangbanger. I am the man. Proven who I am. And so I, I kind of leave from my house, and I'm living, you know, um, not, not, not like I didn't leave. I would come back and stuff like that, but I wasn't there living with my friends, hanging out. Just living the vida loca. Hello. Just crazy. Just crazy, crazy, crazy. 
And so that, that's how I was living. And so, uh, again, my, my mom and them, they tricked me because they lived up here, and I lived down south. So my mom and my grandmother lived up here. So they invited me to come up here for the weekend to hang out with my uncle and my grandfather. And I didn't know this, so I thought I was just coming to hang out, and then I was going back home. And so my uncle and grandfather said, hey, man, we're going to go and get some beer. We'll be back. And they never came back. I'm still waiting on them to return. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm like, yo, where are these guys at? And so I get a box with my clothing in them, and I'm like, wow, this is dirty. So anyway, I'm up here, hated up here, missed all my friends, didn't want to be up here. And as time progressed, you know, I continued. I made some friends, started hanging out with some people up here, doing the same thing. And so I, you know, started living that way. But then my mom and grandmother going down south, they said, hey, we're going down, you know, go visit your grandfather and uncle. And I was like, awesome. And so I called up some of my friends. I'm like, hey, I'm going to be down there this day. I need you to come pick me up. And so I was like, I'm going to get y'all back. I'm going to hang out with my friends, but I ain't coming back. And so I stood out for three days to make sure my mom and grandmother had to come back home. So they came back home. They left me down there. And so I'm hanging out. I'm thinking everything is the same. And something changed with my friends. It was like they moved on. It was like life wasn't like for me. I'm, I'm looking for this love, this acceptance. I have my family. And all of a sudden, when I get down there, it's like people change. But you know, I didn't realize God was trying to show me something that the void in my heart could only be filled by him. So I didn't realize that at that time, and I, and I was filling that void with acceptance and friendships and all that kind of stuff. And here's the thing that everyone in this room, whether you believe this or not, whether you agree with this or not, every one of us is looking for love. That's the bottom line. How do I know this? Because God created us in his image, and we have a void inside of our hearts. And you know what that void can only be filled by? It's by him. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says God is love. Therefore, you may try to find it through sex, you may try to find it through acceptance, you may try to find it through whatever, but the reality is you are still looking for love. And you may fill it with a drug, you may fill it with whatever, but that is a void that will be there until you come to the one that created you. And so three months later, my father gets back out of prison again, and, he, and, we, and I decide to come up here. And so he, he's, he's out here, and I'm with my friends up here, and now my friends up here, they changed as well. It's like this change thing keeps happening. And God is showing me something, and I don't realize what it is. And so my friends come to me like, hey, man, you know, we're going to do, do this particular drug. It's, it's acid. I don't know if you guys know what acid is. But if you don't know what acid is, it's like a, it looks like a little, you know, corner of a piece of paper. And so, you know, I had done probably every drug under the sun at this time because, you know, I was, that's what I did. But, you know, this one, I would do it, just drop the tab. It's called a tab. Drop it in your mouth, and you're all good. But my friends had this brilliant idea. They were like, listen, we don't put it in our mouths. We put it in our eye. The reason for this is very, actually really smart, not really. <laughs> but the reason for this is because when you ingest it, it's got to go through your whole system for it to actually affect you. But when you put it in your eye, guess what it doesn't have to do? It doesn't have to go through any of that. It's going directly into the bloodstream. So guess what happens? You want to talk about being like high? You're like high, high, high. <laughs> I mean like crazy. And so... I have the worst experience ever because I'm hearing voices that I've never heard before, right? I'm, I'm, I'm hallucinating. But I'm hearing these voices, but there's two peculiar voices that, are, that I'm hearing. There's one voice that's calling me. It's this voice that I've never heard. And I hear it through the music, and it's talking about, I'm your father. I know what's going on. My dad is home, and I go home one day, and when I get home, I, my dad's there, and I'm like, Dad, how do you know? And he's like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, how do you know? And I'm like backing him into the room. And he's like, Jason, what are you talking? I'm like, Dad, how do you know all my friends? How do you know? You got to tell me. And he's like, Jason, I don't know what you're doing right now, but you, you're crazy. <laughs> Nonetheless, my dad didn't know what I was talking about. So I had this terrible time. And so, uh, you know, as any, you know, smart person, I do it again. 
So I do it again, and I, and I have a similar experience, not as bad, because this time I had like half a tab, so it wasn't as much. And so it wasn't so bad. So I'm thinking, well, maybe things are okay. So I go ahead and I do it a third time. So around this third time, my father, he and I, the reason why I came up here was because we were going to do what any good father and son do. We were thinking about our family, right? We were thinking about the future financial stability of our family. So we were going to do a joint venture. We were going to do a business together, and we were going to do the Quinones father and son, you know, um, drug cartel. We were going to start small because, you know, I, at this point, we were going to just sell some weed to my friends because they smoked it all the time anyway. So why not make some money, pay for what I'm doing? It's all good. That was the idea. So around the middle of this time, about two weeks later, you know, up, being up here, me and my dad bought a quarter pound of weed. And then he was going to um, the ABC liquor store because he was going to go try to sell something on his own or something like that. And he got pulled over. They searched him. They found it. He violates his parole. He goes back to prison. Because God has some different plans. He didn't want me to be a part of a drug cartel. Hello. He didn't want me to be in prison, right? He didn't want me to be next to my dad. And let me tell you something. I'm going to tell you how I know that I would have been sitting next to my dad. Two of my friends have actually been in prison with my dad. One of the guys that actually was part of my initiation, he was in prison with my dad. My dad evangelized to this guy, and he wouldn't submit his life to Jesus. There's another guy. He's actually got a life sentence right now because he did something. He ended up chopping some guy's arms off. That was one of the guys I hung out with. They called the guy Kill Bill. So anyway. But this is a guy that I grew up with and was hanging out with. And so God didn't want me to do all that. And so my mom, in, in the midst of this, when my dad goes to prison, my mom gets saved. And all of a sudden, she starts talking different. She starts acting different. You know, she's sitting around me, and, and, I'm, and you know, I'm a foul mouth. I was hopeless. And, and listen, if I didn't tell you this earlier, the big idea of this whole message is this. If God can save me, he can save anyone. That's the reality. And so my mom would sit there and, you know, and try to talk to me about the Lord. And one day, I'm getting ready to go with my friends to go and do my thing. And she's sitting there next to me. She's like, you know, hey, can I read something to you? And I was like, yeah. And so she reads to me Proverbs 1.7. So Proverbs 1.7 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And only fools despise wisdom and correction. And that second part, only fools despise wisdom and correction, like punched me in the chest. To the point that I, got, that I walked down my driveway, and when I walked down my driveway, I get into the car with my friends, and I was like, yo, we're a bunch of fools. <laughs> and like you, they'd laugh, and they're like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, my mom just read this scripture to me from the Bible, and I, and I was quoting it to them, and I'm already preaching, right? And, and they're like, hey, okay, roll that blunt, bro, let's go. So I'm like, all right, let's continue on in our folly. So, you know, I'm foolish. So anyway, so, you know, moving forward, I tripped on acid again. And then the fourth time that I did it, I came home. And it was, I mean, I was like, I told you, I was feeling this conviction of my sin. Like all my thoughts were before me. And the Bible says that the spirit of God will convict us of sin and righteousness and judgment. And so as I come home, my mom is in the room, and I go and I lay down, and, you know, I lay down next to her. I'm like, Mom, man, I said, I did something I shouldn't have done tonight. And she's like, what's that? So I was tripping on acid, and she was like, Jason, I've told you not to do that. You know, you can get stuck in that, in that state. And I'm like, yeah, I know. And so then she goes, and she tells me, she's like, well, listen, since we're here, and my two brothers were in the room, she's like, let's go ahead and read from the Word. Now, listen, I want you to know something. I, I, I told you that my family wasn't Christian, but my grandmother was real clear on letting us know hell is real. And, 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 and my grandmother was real clear on making sure that we understood certain principles. And one of the principles that I knew, it was this thing called the rapture. And I knew that if Jesus came today, I was going to be stuck here and I was going to have to go through all that hell. Amen. 
That's what I knew for sure. And I also knew that I was going to hell. And so every night when I would come home without fail, I used to pray three things. I used to pray, God, forgive me for my sins. Because I was just like, man, if I die in my sleep, at least maybe, you know. And the second thing I would pray is I would pray for wisdom. Because my grandmother told me, she said, you need to ask God for wisdom. And I was like, okay. And so I would say, Father, forgive me for my sins. And then the second thing I would say is, God, give me wisdom. And then one day, they tricked me into going to church. They tricked me because they bought me an outfit. That's how they used to trick me all the time. I used to be like, yo, Ma, I need some sneakers. She'd be like, you gonna come to church? And I'm like, oh, my goodness, this church thing. And so they would get me to come, buy me the outfit. I came to church, and when I come to church, it's a Wednesday night Bible study. I go to the youth class, and guess what they're talking about? They're talking about prayer and praying in the name of Jesus. And so I'm like, well, I want to be heard, so I got to pray in the name of Jesus. So now I'm praying three things. I'm saying, God, forgive me. I'm saying, God, give me wisdom. In Jesus' name, please hear me. And I'm going to sleep every single night. And so what I understood is that I didn't really want to talk or hear anything about God. So I went to get up at that moment when she said, let's read it from the word. And as I stood up, I heard this voice more clearly than I've ever heard any other voice. And God said to me, you've come this far. Are you going to stop now? And at that moment is when the first part of the verse came to life. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Because a fear came over me like I had never known before. I jumped up and I was like trying to lock the bedroom door, seeing if other... And my mom's like, what is wrong with you? And I said, I don't know. And she's like, just sit down. And so she starts reading the Bible. She says she read the whole book of Proverbs, so you can figure that took a couple of hours. But from the moment she opened her mouth all the way until the end, I cried and I cried. Because, not because I remember anything that she was saying, but because the voice that called me, that voice that said, you've come this far, are you going to stop now, continued to speak to me. She finishes reading the Bible, and I'm bawling my eyes out, and then, she's, and then she says, she started just talking to me, and, all, and, and suddenly she says this to me. She's like, you know, I hear your prayers, and I'm like, that ain't my mom talking, because don't nobody hear my prayers. Because I'm not like, you know, crying out, Father God, forgive me. I'm, I'm not doing that. I'm laying in my bed with my face in my pillow. Nobody's hearing me talk to God. But God in heaven heard my prayers every time that I prayed to him. Yes. Although I wasn't sincere about following him because I was not, I was sincere about not going to hell. And I was calling upon him because, you know what, I was longing in my heart. There was something that, that aching in my soul was there. There was a reality that was going on. And so as she goes through the prayer, and this is where she corrects me, she says that I asked her, and I said, well, what, what, what do I need to do to serve that God? And mind you, my grandmother's tried to lead me to Jesus. I've had, they've had prayer meetings in my house. I know they were just praying for me. Hello. I'm serious. Like, they had prayer meetings, and they were all in Spanish. So for me, I was high half the time, and I didn't really understand Spanish. One time, some guy's like, do you want to accept Jesus? And I'm like, I don't know what he just said. And I'm like, uh-huh, yeah, absolutely. You know, and so I, I, I don't know what's going on. But I know they're praying for me. Like, 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 that's what they're doing. And I wouldn't, and, and she said to me, well, you know, we normally do this when someone's in the condition you are. She said, but why don't we go ahead and pray this prayer? And so we prayed this prayer, and that night I made a commitment to Jesus, and that was in 1994, July 1994. The next day I wake up, you know, she gave me some material to read. I couldn't fall asleep, so I, you know, read it. The next day I wake up, I call my buddy, and I, his name was Jason as well. I say, hey, Jason, come here, man. I need you to come over here. You need to take me to Sanford. I need to buy a bag of weed. <laughs> Probably wonder why I'm telling you this story. There's a moral to the story. The point is, I tell him, man, take me to Sanford to buy a bag of weed. The reason why I said that was because in my genius, because I'm very smart, I knew that God created marijuana. Therefore, I could smoke it because it was natural. God would not be offended with that. Amen. The devil is a liar. Let me help you out. The Bible says not to be drunk, does it not? You cannot smoke weed and not be intoxicated. Hello. It may be different. It may be a different type of intoxication. Nonetheless, it's an alteration no matter what. So 
It's not cool. <laughs> Nonetheless, I didn't know that. I preached to my friend all the way from my house, which is in Castleberry, to Sanford and back. I told him everything that just happened last night. I mean, every single detail, right? So, you know, y'all hear me. I'm a preacher. I was just going. and started. We get home. He's dropping me off. He's like, man, I got to get back to church. God can use our foolishness. Now, listen, don't call someone and say, hey, man, take me to go buy a bag. We don't do that. But here's what I'm saying. I was in my foolishness. I go to church Sunday. When I go to church Sunday morning, I'm sitting back there in the back. And as I'm sitting there, I'm clapping my hands. You know, I'm too cool for glasses. So I wear contacts. I can't see the front. I mean, I'm like, it's further back. I'm like squinting. I'm in the aisle. I'm like looking crazy. And all the youth have seen me come to this church. And I'm always Mr. High, Mr. Cool. Don't even talk to me. I can't wait to leave to go smoke a cigarette. That was me. And they all saw something different, and they bum-rushed me after the service, and they're like, that's an old word, bum-rushed. But nonetheless, you know, just telling my testimony, I'm bringing you back. But here's the thing. So I'm sitting in the back of the church, and they all come, and they're like, yo, what happened? And so I start preaching to them. And then all of a sudden, the, 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 the pastor's sons, they come, to my, they come to my house. And I was like, man, you know, I said, you, you guys come over here. And I remember I brought them to the house and I said, you know, the guys that I hang out with, because we were very serious about the weed we smoked. Like, you didn't let it drop on the floor. It was sacred because it was an idol. <laughs> Seriously. And I told the guys, I was like, listen, I'm going to tell you all something. I said, I would never do this. I said, but I feel like I need to throw this away. And I, I can promise you, if the pastor said anything about smoking weed, I didn't understand it. He was preaching in Spanish, so I was like, okay, amen. <laughs> what I'm telling you is, is that God's spirit was working in my heart, and I dumped that in the toilet for the glory of Jesus. And so I share this story because I'm a new man today. I don't have bitterness about the people that did what they did to me. I'm not unforgiving. I'm not walking around with an identity crisis like the enemy would want me to. I'm not a womanizer like the enemy would want me to be because that would be the trajectory I was going on. I mean, as a matter of fact, when I got saved, like the week that I got saved, the first pra- one of the first prayers I prayed is I said, God, I know that you didn't call me to be single. You need to bring my wife. <laughs> Listen, I was 17 years old. I wasn't even 18 yet. And I was like, look, you need to find her quick. Bring her. Amen. Because I... And glory to God, within a year, I met the most beautiful lady on the planet. Amen. It'll be 20 years of that beautiful woman and me together. Amen. Glory to God. And so the reality is, is God changed my life. He's the one who walked in that door. See, the testimony that we read in here about those 500 witnesses, that was a real testimony. But what I want you to know is that Jesus is still alive today. And here, and here, and here's the thing. There's that, you know, in, in this room, you know, some people are in here like, man, he really needed Jesus. You're right, I did, but you do too. Man, he really, I mean, this guy was gangbanging, he was doing this, he really, yeah, I, I did. But you know what, you may be sitting there thinking, well, I really, I'm not really doing anything wrong. Let me tell you something. If you've ever told a lie, you need Jesus. Because your lie put Jesus on the cross. Those things you think are little sins in comparison to his sins. Listen, I'm going to say it to you like this. There is no sin that is so great that Jesus won't forgive. And there is no sin that is so small that it doesn't need to be forgiven. And so I stand here today to tell you that my life is a witness to the resurrection reality of Jesus. My life is that testimony, and I share that on this Resurrection Sunday because I want you to know, listen, this is not some dead religion. 
I didn't come to Jesus because someone proved a bunch of facts to me or because anything. It is because God walked into my life. It's because God showed me. It wasn't because the people around me. Listen, man, I, 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 I thought this. I thought Christians were hypocrites. I still think the same. And I'm one of them. Listen, we all fall short, man. None of the, Listen, none of y'all. Y'all may think that y'all are right. You, none of y'all are right. None, none of y'all live so holy, such perfect lives. None of us do. I mean, that, that is just a reality. And so I joined the hypocrite club. Hello. Like, hey, sign me up. <laughs> so what am I saying? If you're in here and you're like, man, Christians are a bunch of hypocrites. Well, hey, join the club. Just know we're forgiven hypocrites. And we may be hypocrites, but we're striving not to be hypocrites. Because I'm, I'm joking about it, but it's not like we just live in like, oh, I just want to live like this, whatever. I don't care what you think. It's not like that. We all struggle with things. But here's, here's what I want you to realize. What I want you to realize, and the music ministry is going to come up here and they're going to sing the song with us. But what I want you to realize is that you in this place, if you don't know Jesus, you have to make a choice. It is either A, to call upon him today and ask him to be the Lord of your life and ask him to lead your life. Or B, you walk out here the same way you came in. With just some more knowledge. Choose A. Don't let today go by without you calling upon him. And listen, you could have been in church all your life. You could have been in church every single day and you know all about Jesus. That does not mean you know him. That does not mean you're serving him. Today is the day of salvation. The Bible says that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That's why Paul says this is of first importance. That Jesus died for our sins. He died for our sins. And so as we sing this song, I'm going to ask you to just stand to your feet if you would. I'm going to ask you to just bow your heads where you're at. You obviously look up and see the words on the projector, but I want you to think about where you are with God today. Walk in the same old road for miles and miles. You've been hearing the same old voice tell the same old lies. Been walking, trying to fit. Let's sing that again. I gotta take that from the top. I'm sorry. We're gonna start it over. Let's do it again. You've been walking the same old road for miles and miles. You've been hearing the same old voice tell the same old lies If you're trying to fill the same old holes inside There's a better life A better life If you got pain, he's a pain taker If you feel lost, he's a way maker if you need freedom, a saving, he's a prison shaking savior. If you got chains, he's a chain breaker. We've all searched for the light of day in the dead of night. We've 
we've all found ourselves worn out from the same old life. We've all run to things we know just ain't right. But there's a better life. Better life. You got pain. He's a pain taker. If you feel lost, he's a way maker. If you need freedom, save it. He's a prison shaking savior. You got chains. He's a chain breaker. If you believe it, if you receive it, if you can feel it, somebody testify. You believe it. close your eyes right where you're at and if you're in this place and you are not following Jesus if you're in this place and you know that if you died today you'd be separated from him for all of eternity you say God I want to follow you today I want to follow you today I want to make that commitment to you today I want to call upon you today I just want you to lift up your hand right where you're at we want to pray with you pray for us in this place then father today you see every person in this place your word has gone forward and so lord i just pray that you would draw the hearts of those in this place that don't know you today give them a heart of repentance lord let them turn unto you today lord god draw them out of darkness 
draw them into the marvelous light of your kingdom. And Father God, for those of us that are in this place that we know you, Lord God, that we're walking with you, that we're following you, Lord God, I just pray that in this resurrection day that we would be able to rejoice in your resurrection power, that we would be able to rejoice in how you have delivered us and how you have set us free. And I pray, Lord God, that your kingdom would come in each of our lives with might and power. Use us as witnesses. Use us as a voice of truth. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's only someone raised their hand. I didn't see that hand. So let's put our hands together for Jesus. I'm not all seeing, so I missed it. I missed it. But listen, if you raise your hand in this place, maybe you didn't raise your hand. Maybe you just know in your heart. I mean, you know God's calling you. I'm going to say this one more thing because I'm not into manipulating people and trying to make people make a decision. But I'm going to say this. I remember the first time God called me, and I was sitting back there in the back row, and I was sitting next to my best friend. And I remember that the preacher preached about God calling Samuel. And I sat there, and I knew that God was calling me. I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. And the reason I didn't get up is because of my pride. Because since my best friend didn't move and God didn't move him, I was like, well, I'm just going to sit here. And what I'm telling you is don't let today go by. If you know he's calling you, if you know he's calling you, commit your heart to him today. Let today be a day that you start a new life with him. And listen, I'll be out there in the front. And even if you didn't raise your hand, if you want to start a new life with Jesus, if you want to make that decision, to walk with him. I'll be there. Let me know, and I'll pray with you. Amen? I'll put your hands together for Jesus. Amen.